Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Awesome. Let's pray to get into tonight's word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faces built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, in our healing school today, I want to be very specific on, uh, on teaching about this, something the Lord put in my heart to teach. And it is, every believer has a right to heal the sick. Every believer has a right to heal the sick. Now, when you talk about there are, there, there are what you call the fundamental human rights. Okay? There are, there are several, but there are key fundamental human rights. How many of us know what some of the fundamental human rights are? What, what are they? The right to what? The right to life. The, the right to life. Uh, freedom of speech has has some legal interpretation because when your speech is hate speech and it will cause, it will cause riot and chaos, uh, your mouth will have to be stopped so that other people will be safe, so that other people will have freedom to life. But let's take freedom, uh, freedom to life or the right to life, sorry, the right to life. Let's take that. It's basic to everybody that everybody has a right to life. So you cannot terminate someone else's life. Now, that's a fundamental human right. There are several fundamental human rights recognized by the United Nations as the inalienable rights of everybody, regardless of their status, regardless of their age, regardless of the country of birth. Every human being has this fundamental uh, right. So, first of all, when you use the word rights, you must understand that we're dealing with the issues of legality. It's legal. It's not just, uh, it's not just a nice word. Okay? So when we talk about the right to life, it's legal. That means that if actually someone... I'm, I'm not a lawyer, okay? So uh, I won't overstretch it. But let's say, for instance, someone threatens your life. Based on your fundamental right to life, you can actually institute legal actions against that person, right? Because what they are dealing with is a right that you have because you're a human being. Okay. Now, having said that, there are, there are other people in the society, where I won't use the word people now, but there are other creatures in the society who don't, who, who don't have that same fundamental right. So let's take, for instance, you've got the right to life and you have dogs around you do, those dogs, do they share your rights? I just want to be sure. Now, I'm not saying you should go and kill animals, but I'm just saying something. Do, do, do you have the same fundamental right as the dog and the chimpanzee and the snake? Do, do you have the same right? You are answering like you, you have the same, you are not sure if they will be angry. Do you have the same right? 
can, can your dog take you to the courts and say, my Lord, my owner wants to kill me. Can your dog do that? No, they, they, they won't be able to do that. What, and, and why is that? If you understand this, you would understand the message. Okay? So why is that? Why do you think the dog doesn't have the same rights you have even though you live in the same house? Why do you think so? Because they don't have... Because you can't, you can't say because they don't have life. They, do they have life? Do dogs have life? Do you have a life? Do you have a right to life? Does the dog have the fundamental rights to life? No. Okay. Why do you think they don't? Because you own them. <laughs> dogs should not get near you. Is it because you own them? Do you think that's why? No, I don't think that. That's, that's, that might be correct, but I don't think that's why. So why do you think? Lords? They, who said they are not humans? You should be the head boy of the class. Exactly. The, you are dealing with creatures of two nature. You are, you belong to the human kingdom. They belong to the animal kingdom. So the laws that apply to the human kingdom is different from the laws that apply to the animal kingdom. So the reason that your dog doesn't have the same fundamental human right, the, no human now, fundamental right to life that you have is a nature. You've got a human nature. They've got an animal nature. And the laws apply differently because the laws to, to these rights were fashioned for humans. Do you follow this now? Come on, do you follow this now? Now, when you now go to a society where they've got all these animal rights, then the dogs now, well, human beings have to stand for them now. It's got that right. But essentially, we're dealing with what? A nature issue. Are you following this now? Alright. So, having understood that, having understood that, now, now, now let's go to... Um, where do I start from now? Go to Colossians. John, go to John, John chapter 3. Now, understand, you know, hold that example in your heart. It's very important. Now, go with me to John chapter 3. Verse 3. And Jesus answered, this was when Nicodemus came, and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, look at this, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, look at verse 6. That which is born of what? Of the flesh is flesh. Now, 
If, if Jesus says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, of course he wasn't just referring to humans in that sense because even when you are born again, you don't discard your flesh. Are you following this now? You don't get born again and your flesh disappears. So he wasn't just referring to the human birth. I was talking about something else. So he says, then go on, he says, and that which is born of the spirit is what? Is spirit. Now, if you observe this this, this verse of scripture carefully Jesus is talking about two kinds of birth That there is a, a birth of the flesh Which is a regular human nature The Adamic nature The fleshy nature That's the nature of the fallen man That if a man is a product of that nature He is flesh Now, but he says But, but that which is born of the spirit, capital S, there you observe there's capital and small s, so the capital S refers to the spirit of God, and small letter S refers to your spirit. Anytime you read the Bible, you pay attention to that capital letter. Every time you see the capital letter S, is referring to God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, the King James Version uses the word Holy Ghost, but newer translation changed that word from ghost to spirit, so you find... Uh, every time you find that, okay, then the spirit refers to uh, the small letter, small letter spirit refers to your human spirit. So every time you find in a particular verse the God's spirit being referred to and human spirit being referred to, you always find this uh, very important demarcation. So he's saying that if you are born of the spirit of God, now let's look, let's look about this verse again. It says, He that is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, he, he already said that a man needs to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now, the word see there in the Greek is not, it doesn't imply to see with your optical eyes. It doesn't mean, follow me carefully, you've got to follow me. It doesn't mean to see, to see with your optical eyes. Because in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to 21, we can turn there, come, come with me to Luke chapter 17. Wisdom for living is finished, so we have to go through the Bible now, right? So we'll go through a lot of scriptures and you've got to follow because we must allow scriptures to interpret scriptures. So come with me to Luke chapter 17 and let's go to verse 20. Let me show you something there so I can explain what I want to. Verse 20. Now, verse 20 says, Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. Now, remember, remember why we are reading this verse. Why are we reading this verse? We want to understand what the Bible says to see the kingdom. It says if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Okay? That's what I want to explain. So, Luke 17, 20, it says, Now, having me questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered, Jesus, they answered them, and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Did you see that? Did you see that? So what I was trying to say is that the kingdom is not coming with signs that you can see with your eyes. The, the next verse is, verse 21, Nor will they say, look here it is, or there it is, for behold the kingdom of God is in your midst, or the kingdom of God is within you. So here, carefully, Jesus explains to us that the kingdom would not be seen with our optical eyes. So when Jesus now said, um, 
Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He was not saying that if you're not, if you're born again, if you're not born again, you cannot see with your eyes. The word see there, actually, in the Greek refers to experiencing the kingdom of God. Experiencing that comes from understanding. Are you following this now? Come on, are you here? Alright. Now, go back to John chapter 3. So he says, verse 2. Okay, verse 3, sorry. Jesus answered, John 3, 3. And said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, for I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we know that that seeing the kingdom of God is experiencing the kingdom of God. Alright? Experience that comes by understanding. Now, Nicodemus now said to him, How can a man be born again when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus talks about seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom. So Jesus says that in entering the kingdom, one has to be born of water and the Spirit. Okay? One has to be born of water and the Spirit. And if you're born of water and the Spirit, you can now enter into the kingdom. Now, he goes on to say, Jesus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, it means that when, uh, when uh, the person who is flesh is born of the Spirit, something changes. It moves from being outside the kingdom, not being able to see the kingdom, to doing what? To doing what? Entering the kingdom. So when that man enters the kingdom, he is no longer flesh. Do you get it? So, Nicodemus comes and he is born of the flesh. Regular nature, Adamic nature. He accepts the Lord Jesus. He now becomes spirits because he's sorry he's now he's now someone who is born of the spirit so because he's born of the spirit he has changed kingdoms colossians chapter 1 praise god now verse 13 for Colossians 1.13 For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. That word domain, pay attention to that, is not just the kingdom of darkness that is used in some translation. It's the Greek word that speaks of the authority of darkness. That means the authority darkness had over us that made us flesh. We have been delivered and transferred into the what? The kingdom of his beloved son. So, when a man gets born again, a supernatural transference happens. What is that supernatural transference? From the kingdom of what? Darkness into what? Into the kingdom of light. Now, pay close attention. In the kingdom of darkness, a particular nature is needed to function. Right? Or you don't think so? Then when you are transferred into the kingdom of light, what, what will happen? Another nature. 
is needed to function. Now, how did that happen? By the blood of Jesus, by the shed blood of Jesus. So when Jesus shed his blood and we accepted the message, what happened is that there was a transference. So we are now sons of God. We are now in the kingdom of God. So if we are in the kingdom of God, by nature, there are certain rights in this kingdom that a believer has and should be exercised. They are natural rights because you are now in another kingdom. Whether you exercise those rights or not is not up to God anymore. It's left for you. For instance, if somebody threatens to kill you and you don't report the person, you don't do anything about it, and the person commits the act, it's not about what the government should have done. If you feel that your life is threatened, what you do do knowing that you have the fundamental right to life is to report the case. So, when a man becomes born again, he's got another nature. With that nature, there are rights. Now, let's go to um, Colossians chapter 2. Now, first of all, uh, let's, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Now, just pause, have this segment of the message in your mind. We'll come back here. But I want to show you how Jesus obtained the ability to give us that right. So, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Verse 13 says, um, I need to show you a scripture. Hold, hold your place in Colossians. Just hold a bit. I need to show you a scripture first of all. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Let me show you another scripture here. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Look at this. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. So, and now every citizen has got a right. So, if your citizenship is in heaven, that means there are heavenly rights. Praise God. Now, let me just give you this. In the book of Acts, Paul was about to be arrested and tried. And in those days, Roman citizenship was not gotten very easily. It's either you paid a large sum of money for it, or you were born as a citizen of Rome. And Paul discovered that he was about to be tried. And he knows that uh, because he's a Roman citizen, he's got a right to walk away from that trial. He quickly said, would you try a citizen of Rome? He just told them. And what happened? They let him go. What did Paul do there? He exercised his rights. He knew that he was a Roman citizen. And a Roman citizen is not supposed to be tried the way he was being tried. And they did not know that he was a Roman citizen. So he said it. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Why? Because when you become a citizen of a particular country, there are certain rights that come with that citizenship. I want you to understand, this is very important if you want to heal the sick. Because many times as believers, we shy away from healing the sick because we do not understand the right that comes with the believer. 
So most times, even as children of God, when we talk about healing the sick, all we are focused on is staying in divine health. That's part A of what you should do. You walk in divine health, but every believer has a right to also exercise the healing ministry of Jesus and to extend it. And that's what I want to show you tonight. Now, let's get to that Colossians again. Chapter 2 and verse 14 to 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. And verse 14. Now, let's read from verse 13. It says, When you were dead in your transgressions and and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, that this He did on the cross. Verse 14. Having cancelled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15. When he had disarmed, disarmed. Pay attention to that word. What does it mean to disarm? Somebody help me. What does it mean to disarm? To do what? To strip off. Strip off what? Huh? If you talk about disarmed, disarmed will come from armed. Right. Right. Huh? We can't... I mean, if I come and just remove your face cap, have I disarmed you? Except you kept the jars there. Right. So if I talk of disarmed, you, you need to be careful of this. This is very important. Right? If I talk of disarmed, you can't talk of disarmed without armed. <laughs> right. So if I say that I have... What's your name, sir? Festus. Victor. Okay. So if I say... Uh, this is an example. So if I say... Mr. Victor came to church and Harry disarmed him. What, what, what picture of Mr. Victor do you have in your head? Forget about the one sitting here now. What picture do you have in your head? He was what? Armed. Now, people say, Pastor, when you teach these things, you teach like the devil does not have power. No, he doesn't. He used to. But he was disarmed. Many Christians relate to the devil before the disarmament program. So when they see this devil, they still see an armed devil. Not the disarmed own. Because when you want to minister healing to the sick, what you see will affect your faith. Are you following this now? So what did Jesus do? And I'm going to show you scriptures here. He, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Now, hold your peace. Let me explain this to you. In those days, uh, when the Roman soldiers went to war and they conquered the nation, whatever nation, let's say the Roman soldiers went to, uh, let's say Judah. Let's just use Judah. And they went to Judah and they captured Judah. What will happen is they will now capture some prisoners. Hmm? Okay, let me use um, let me use an example that everybody can relate with. Okay? When uh, Manchester City won the Champions League, or if any club wins the Champions League, you know, when you talk about the Champions League, there are certain clubs you shouldn't use as an example, because even in the example, it won't fly. 
So let's leave those ones. So let's use uh, clubs that have won it. So let's say Manchester United wins the Champions League. Right? When they won the Champions League in Moscow. What happened? When they came back to London, what happened? They got on a bus. They put the cup on the bus and paraded. Keep the scripture up for me. They paraded what? The streets of England. Come on. Whether that's what you support or not, follow the example. Alright? They paraded what? The streets of England. What were they doing? They won the cup in Moscow, Russia. But they made a public show of the cup in England. Because that's their home base. That's where they are. So that the fans can come out and see that, hey, the cup was not just something we watched on television. Now, what happens in the Roman Empire, that's what happens also. When, uh, when Rome or any of those nations go to another nation, they take some spoils of war. Do you remember what Saul was offering to the Lord? But do you remember the Lord says, destroy everything? Now, normally, you take some spoils of war. And you bring those spoils of war and walk through the streets. In fact, some of them used to take the king of that country and display him publicly through the streets. Do you think when they display the king through the streets, he will have his robe on? He will have his crown on? Do you think so? What, what are they going to do? They will strip him of his crown. Follow this now. They will strip him of his crown because his crown and his scepter was the symbol of authority. Now, what they are going to do is they will strip him of his crown and his scepter and just treat him like a common man and display him around the streets to show that, listen, we have victory over this king and over this nation. That's what Jesus did with Satan. It took every authority that Satan had. You, you better listen to me. It took every authority Satan had and made a public display of Satan through hell and through the regions of Hades to show us that the devil has no single power. Glory to God. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Satan has been disarmed. And that's why it's very shocking in today's church how we have made Satan so exalted. It's because people don't know. And don't pay attention to this scripture. Well, let's go on from here. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. We're closing 8 o'clock today. Hebrews 2 14. I'm back. I've missed you so much. I want you to stay hang around. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Come on, somebody getting this? That Satan that is tormenting you is tormenting you because of ignorance. He has been discerned. Come on, tell your neighbor, the devil has been discerned. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say, the devil has been discerned. And I believe it. Hallelujah. Do you believe the devil has been discerned? I said, do you believe the devil has been discerned? He's just deceptive. He's like a roaring lion. He's not the lion. There's only one lion recognized in this world. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, I don't know what Satan is doing to me. Doing to you? And you lay down a disarmed devil? Hebrews 2.14 Therefore, mm, since the children, talking, talking about us, Share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same. That means because we have flesh and blood. Jesus came. Because you cannot redeem a man 
who you don't share the same nature with. I hope I can finish this teaching tonight. Do you know why Jesus had to come? The blood of goats and bulls cannot redeem a man. Why? Because it was from a lower kingdom. It was a temporary sacrifice. So, for a man to be redeemed, you need the same level of blood, the same quality of blood. So, what did Jesus do? Jesus had to pay that price. So, he came and partook of flesh and blood. That's the incarnation of Jesus. Therefore, since the children shed flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render, oh, Shatalabrang de Sofarabikis, he might render powerless. Now, if we talked about that, right? Disarmed means you were armed. If I say, I render, Mr. Victor, sorry, use your example again. I rendered Mr. Victor powerless. What does that tell you? He had power before. You cannot render a, a powerless, you cannot render somebody who doesn't have power powerless. Right? I don't know if it's correct English, but if I come and say, well, I, I rendered uh, Mr. John Carless. The first one you have to say is that which car? Do you understand? Because you can only render a man in a way, that way, by something what he had. Not has. Has is present. Had. So Satan doesn't has power. He had. Jesus now has and is having and we continue to have. That's very important. Satan has no power. Power and Satan don't use has. Had. Because he has been rendered powerless. He might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The scripture was specific that the devil has been rendered powerless. That's why I can never understand why a theme of a program should be power must change hands. Do you want the devil to take it back? You know, I went somewhere and I saw this theme of the program. He says, my blood is bitter. I said, yeah, that's, your blood should be. It shouldn't be sweet. But do you know that you're not a Christian because of your blood? Hmm? Hey, 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 hey. You're not a Christian because of your blood. You're a Christian because of what? The blood of Jesus. Next verse. Verse 15. And my free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Can I tell you something? Go back home, meditate on these scriptures. It will put you over. Oh, I tell you. It will... <laughs> the confidence in your inner man will be strong. Praise God. Praise God. Are you following this? Let's read on. So this is what Jesus did. He rendered Satan powerless. He disarmed him. Praise God. That's why you see that Satan cannot take people except he keeps them in bondage. Sometimes bondage of religious teachings. Bondages of fear. 
You see, fear is his weapon. So you're afraid. Oh, they're going to do this to me. Oh, they're going to do that to me. And that fear becomes the hook by which Satan gets into your life. Let's run quickly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are forever free from fear. There's nothing Satan can do to us. Our future is bright. That's why we don't believe things like your destiny has been changed. Who did it? He doesn't have power to change destinies anymore. He's been disarmed. Come and I said he's been disarmed. Because oh, you're suffering from the generational curse of your grand-grand-grandfather. Well, the cross doesn't cross, cross the bloodline. You say, oh, there is a curse in your bloodline. The first question you want to ask is, which of the bloodline? Let's clarify here. And you say, your grandfather's bloodline. Say, I don't use that anymore. Say, but you're using your grandfather's name. I actually don't use that name anymore. It's so you, people like you, who can understand. But I'm a child of God. The blood of Jesus runs in my vein. That's why I don't take the sicknesses my mother had. Some of you should stop expecting what your mother had. Oh, my mother had asthma. So every time you are frying, you just look at, you fry a little. Hmm, hey, hmm. in my family we have asthma. There are mathematics students in your family who are bright. You never say in your, your family you know maths. Have you ever observed that every time we talk about our family is the bad things we talk about? Well, let's talk about those that died early, those who have sickness. We don't talk about the bright ones. You don't say in our family we're always rich. You just say in our family, anybody that wants to become rich, they'll just kill the person. Hmm? You never say in our family, we know how to do these good things. No, because the devil will not want you to, make, to have the right confession. And you know what? That kind of fear can be perpetrated to families to the extent that anybody that truly wants to become rich will die. But that stops with you. Because you're not in the family. I said that stops with you. Because you're not in the family. Are you understand? So sometimes when you're in family meetings and they're saying general things that are not consistent, just make sure in your spirit you exempt yourself. I say, you know, in, in, all this, in this family, you know, we all struggle to a certain point. You just say, not me. That's why you should go to such family meeting with a mask. <laughs> but you must learn to speak against certain things. And you must learn to be bold about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, oh, I said you must learn to be bold about it. There are certain things when people are generalizing, you say, no, let's pause first, just, just make sure that you don't say this. Uh, it's just, no, 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 just keep it to yourself. You can take that part. You can take the dying early part. It's fine. But not me. Oh, in this family, we don't marry early, not me. In this family, every time we marry, we come back home. I will stay. You don't need to come back home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop expecting evil. The expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. He didn't tell us what the expectation is. Philippians 2.9 For this reason also, God, let's read from verse 8. Well, the mystery of godliness, good scripture. Being found, talking about Jesus. Oh, let's read from verse 7. Verse 7. Be, but emptied himself. You can start with but, right? 6. Who? You can start with who? Yeah? Seven, 5. Have this attitude in yourself, which also was found in Christ Jesus. So we understand the subject. What's the subject? Christ Jesus. Okay? It's talking about Christ. Who? Okay. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. That means he didn't say, hey, you know what, God? I can't go down. 
I just want to be God like this. I can't go down and rescue those people. But emptied himself. So when the scripture says he became poor so that we might become rich, this was the poverty he was talking about. It's not that Jesus was wearing one cloth so that you can have many clothes. It was the riches of glory that he emptied himself to come in the, in the, in the form of a human that was his poverty. He descended, that the incarnation of Christ. But taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Can you remember what you read in the book of Hebrews? Am I going too fast? Too fast? Alright. Remember what you read in Hebrews. He partook of what? Flesh and blood. That's what Philippians is saying again. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even what? Death on the cross. Now look at this verse 9. Verse 9 is what is important to us. He now says, for this reason also. What reason? Jesus did not just die. For which reason? The death on the cross. It says, for this reason. For all the reasons we have been reading. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him. The name, which is what? Now, understand, listen, understand carefully. You see, the name of Jesus doesn't just work wonders because it is Jesus. He earned that name by the triumph. He earned that name by what? There was a legal process. So, it's like he, he conquered the devil and the father had to give him a name. That's why you observe, those of you watch football again, that's the only sport I watch. So, if you watch cricket, I don't know what you people do. Alright? So, when you watch football, and let's say a, a club is winning 3-0 already, right? And it's, the, the match is for 92 minutes, and it's 90 minutes, 91 minutes. There is almost no hope of coming back. What, what do you observe the cameraman will do? It will take you to the court. What's going to happen? You don't watch football again. Okay, your team has never won the Champions League. Oh, oh, sorry. So let me explain what happens to you. So they start writing the name of the team on what? On the cup. What are they doing? They are bestowing that name. Because when that team lifts the cup, their name is there as the winner of the cup for that year. So by next year, they are not the winners of the cup. But what Jesus did was not once a year stuff. The Bible says he entered into the holies of holies once and for all. So what Jesus had is What Jesus had is permanent victory. Listen to me, child of God. Jesus has nothing to do with the devil anymore. You are the one left to exercise the victory. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he conquered Satan once and for all. Church, the devil is defeated. And when Jesus was on the cross and defeating the devil on the cross, God was bestowing authority on that name. So when Jesus was done from the region of hell and paraded principalities and powers all over in the realm of Hades and in the spirit world, the Bible says, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, how many knees? 
every knee will bow of those who are where? In heaven and on earth and under the earth. It doesn't matter where the affliction came from. The name of Jesus will cause it to bow. Oh, they are troubling me from the spirit word. Is the spirit word under the earth? Oh, marriage spirit. <laughs> There's authority in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. Feed on this truth. Hmm? Feed on this truth. Feed on this truth. Feed on this truth. Don't think you know it. Open your heart. Feed on it. Let revelation knowledge come to you. Let revelation knowledge come to you where this is concerned. Because if you want to set people free, you need to know where your authority is coming from. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Says in the name of Jesus, every name must bow. That every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, authority was bestowed on that name. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying in the name that disarms principalities. We are praying in the name that rendered Satan powerless. It, don't just be casual in the mention of that name. Hallelujah. Come and I said hallelujah. You will never be afraid of the devil any longer. Thank you Lord. You know, a story was told, it's been told several years. If you read uh, Smith Pugel's word book, you would, you would hear the story. He said one time, he was lying down, and then he got up, and he saw, uh, he saw his room was scattered. Things were just happening. And he turned, and he saw like it was the devil doing that. And he said, oh, it's you. And went back to sleep. He said, make sure before you leave, you arrange everything. And he prayed about it. You know, sometimes there are certain manifestations in your house. Those are the house we lived in. Right? You know, you know, sometimes you say, oh, pastor, it's not as if we don't believe these things. We know they exist, but we don't give them credence. There's one house we lived in, and sometimes we hear sounds. It's just walking. <laughs> you know, it's not right. You know, and then Samara was telling me about it, but I never really took it serious. Until she told me something, and I was there. We, we were in the house, and um, the fan was off. Both of us was in bed, Right? And then the fan came on. <laughs> True story in this land. The fan came on. Pah, number one. <laughs> she now said, This is what I'm, I was telling you. I said, I now believe. Forgive my unbelief. Are you following this now? The fan came on. Man, I'm telling you, the fan came on. It's not like we were told. Both of us were on the bed. The fan came on. Pam. You know that the fan comes on because somebody turns it on. That means we were not alone. And the person who won the fan was not Jesus. <laughs> so you know what we did? What do you think some people would have done? Park and leave the house. But if we park and leave the house, we leave that house at the mercy of the next person who is going to come in. Maybe that's why God sent us there. Just get the place free. So that people can, and you know how the enemy actually also helps to reinforce your fear. I think during that period, they now told us certain things that used to happen when they were building the house. We don't know how the story came, but we just heard that when they were building this house, they will put ten wood, they will come back. That's not what they said. I forgot what they said. You know, they'll put ten wood when they come back to be four. We just started hearing that story. What do you think the enemy was trying to do? The devil has people who have the bad news you need to deepen fear. 
You have one kind of sickness, that's when you meet the doctor that will say, How? I know I'm a doctor, but I've never seen this case. You know, when you now go and meet a specialist, and the specialist says he has never seen this case. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? But you know, there's a doctor you can meet and say, Oh, I think this is doable. No, they won't direct you there. Because the enemy is engineering. Come on, what's the root word? Fear. 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 But what did you do about the house? We took authority over it. And what happened? They stopped. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Maybe we'll allow this thing for too long. In the name of Jesus, we'll put a stop to this. We'll put, and, and, and at that time, some of our things will just get bad. We'll put a stop to it. We'll just put a stop to it. So I'm not saying there will not be manifestations. You know, someone was <laughs> sharing something with me, went, went into the house and saw something in the mirror and took authority over it. Praise God. Are you hearing this? You know, early days, one of our guys who was a painter, a um, long time ago, came and told me they, they put a jazz under his bed. Or Praise God. All right, so, you know, he called me and said, uh, so I went to his house and we took out the bed and we saw the stuff there, you know, wrapped in red cloth and everything. What did I do? I just took it, you know, prayed for him so that he would be fine. But as I was going, I just threw it away. Did you pray for yourself? No. The Satan has been what? Disarmed. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Now, when you become born again, just follow the story up. When you become born again, you have the right to his name. You have the right to his name. Go to John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go to John chapter 1. And verse 12. This is very important. John chapter 1 and verse 12. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It says, John 1 12. It says, But as many, well, you're talking about, um, he came, verse 11, John 1 verse 11. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Verse 12. Look at this. This is very important. But as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the Bible says the child of God is now born of God. It's no longer born of the flesh. It's no longer born of the blood. It's no longer born just of the will of man. So as you are seated there, it's not just that your father wanted two boys. When you become born again, the Bible says you are now born of what? Of the Spirit. You are now born of God. And because you are born of God, you now have a right to become what? The Son of God. Everybody say, I have a right. Say like you say, I have, a, I have God-given rights. I can hear you say, I have a God-given right to be the Son of God. Alright, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Let's start reading from verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You need to start addressing yourself as a son of God. You need to start seeing yourself more from <laughs> you need to start seeing yourself more from being a son of God than an Ibanison, than an Edoman. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
You need to see yourself as more of a son of God than a Yoruba man. Your new creation reality should be strong on your inside. It should define how you see yourself. It should define how you talk about yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, come on church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're the sons of God. We are now born again. He says, for all who have been led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. Remember what we read in the book of Hebrews? That through fear, what happened? These people have become what? Slaves. Nothing will keep a man in bondage like fear. Sometimes, some churches spill fear. I told you one time in school, then this deliverance ministry was raining and someone brought uh, a tape for me from one of the deliverance ministers, uh, ministries teaching in Berlin, then hallmark of deliverance uh, minister uh, on understanding witchcraft part one to six. I did part one to three, almost felt like I was living in the coven. You know if you feed on that, what's going to happen? Fear will come. But it says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry what? Abba, Father. And what did he say? The Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit. Capital S. Did you see that? The Spirit of God himself testifies with what? Our Spirit. I can't hear you. The Spirit testifies with what? Our Spirit. Did you see the small letter S there again? The, the Holy Ghost. The big Spirit. The Spirit of God, remember John chapter 3 we read. He that is born of the big S, huh? Is Spirit, small s, okay? The Spirit Himself testify with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. So that word testify is not, when we talk about testify, is not so much as we look at testimonies. The word testify there is a legal word. It's a legal word. Are you following what I'm saying? It's like attestation. It's like saying, yes, this child is my child. So he's not saying, God now, did praise the Lord, praise Master Jesus. You know, these children that got born again, they are my children. It's not in that sense. It is saying that he bears a legal witness that these are my sons. Now follow this carefully, follow this carefully now. That's why when Saul was persecuting the church and Jesus came to Saul, what did Jesus say? Why are you persecuting what? Me. But, 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 Jesus, but Saul never touched Jesus. What did Saul do? Saul touched the believers. And Jesus said, you're touching me. So that identity is there. That we are the sons of God. Now, if we, if, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God. And fellow heirs with Christ. We will need time to unpack this. Fellow heirs with Christ. There is a thing of seeing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And there is also a thing of seeing Jesus as the firstborn among many brethren. That he is also our elder brother who has led the way, the way, the way we should live in this family. So he says, well, fellow heirs with him. Praise the name of the Lord. And if he did, we suffer with him so that we might also be glorified with him. Let's look at the grand statement of Jesus. Mark chapter 16. We have five more scriptures. Mark chapter 16. Are you learning something tonight? I can hear you. Are you learning something tonight? Thank you, Lord. These are teachings that should set our lives aflame. Hallelujah. These are teachings that should embolden us. 
Thank you, Father. These are teachings that should make our heart rejoice. It doesn't matter what your natural family is. I'm now a child of God. I'm now a son of God. The Holy Ghost bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Mark chapter 16 and go to verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were reclining at the table. He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Look at the two things Jesus corrected them about. Unbelief and what? Hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. People came to the disciples and said, we saw Jesus. Said, mm, forget. These were disciples Jesus taught for three and a half years. You know, let me tell you something, right? You know the reasons we make these messages available to you? It's so you can listen to them again. Don't just assume you know. Are you following that? Don't just assume you know the Bible. Let's look at people Jesus taught for three and a half years. That's why no pastor should get frustrated. Jesus personally pastored these guys for three and a half years. Teaching them. Jesus himself. He told them, arise again. And other people went and said, ah, Jesus has risen. Say, leave story for market women. And they didn't believe. And Jesus came and rebuked them. For, look at what Jesus Rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Let me tell you the truth. Jesus had to, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Jesus had to, permit my use of words, Jesus had to redo his ministry again for 40 days before he disappeared. If not, all his work for three and a half years would have been wasted. When he got up, the scripture says he taught them again things pertaining the kingdom for 40 days and 40 nights with infallible proofs. It's like he had to say, hey, if I live like this, it means we failed. Okay, so let's start again. I'm telling you. So don't think that because you sit in church, you understand the message. No, go back again. Reschool yourself. Listen to the word again. Praise God. Don't think you've understood everything I taught. Don't think you understand for this course. Don't think, no, don't think so. It's pride to think so. You feed again on the word. You feed again on the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You listen to that message again. Why? Because let me tell you something. Every day you go out on the street, unbelief is putting itself on you. Sin is putting itself on you. Darkness is putting itself on you. You've got to feed yourself on the word again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Oh, praise God. Look at this. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were reclining at the table. <laughs> and unbelievers, as they were coming in one accord, they're just relaxing at the table. So don't mind them. They will say they saw Jesus. <laughs> we that walked with Jesus. They are saying they saw Jesus. What did they see? Women. Women. There's nothing women will not say. This is our agenda. Alright. And he reproached them for the unbelievers hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen after it. And he said to them, Go into all the world. And preach the gospel to all creation. And, and, and in other renderings of the scriptures, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go based on what? Based on the authority that I have received. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Look at verse 17. Follow this now. These signs will accompany those who do what? Who believe what? No, 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 no. Not, not, not read the Bible. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Who are the people he's referring to as who have believed? Chairman. Who? The children of God. Now, go back. I want to show you something. Go back to that verse. Verse 15. 
Follow carefully now. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. He who has believed. The he who has believed here is the people who believe the, the, the message, the gospel. Right? Right? And as we baptized, shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Who are these people who have believed now? The same people who believe what? The gospel. I, there's a reason I'm asking you. Because when he says, listen carefully, when he says these signs have followed them, he wasn't particularly referring to the ones who are preaching the message. So when we read this, we just think of the apostles. No. He says the signs, are you following this now? The signs we follow those who believe what the apostles preached, who are saved. So when he talks about those who believe here, he's talking about you. Because you believe that message. Now you are saved. Now these are things that naturally, if you are saved, should follow you. They are there. They are your fundamental kingdom rights. Is someone still here? Are you following? Don't lose track. Are you following now? When you believe the gospel and you are saved, in this kingdom, these are things that follows you. It's not a prayer point. They are signs. They are, uh, they are some of the proofs that you have believed. They are your rights. What are they going to do? In, in my name. Did you see that? Hey, did you see that? In my name. What name? The name of Jesus. We understood how that name came. The name that God bestowed on him. The name that disarmed principalities and powers. The name that rendered Satan what? Powerless. In my name. What are they going to do to demons? Interview them? Find out their names? Check where they came from? Check how many they are? What are you supposed to do to demons? They're saying like you're afraid. What are you supposed to do to demons? Cast them out. So if you recognize a demon spirit behind an oppression, you cast it out. They will speak with what? Do you know this one? This one we like. Hello, church. Are you still here? Six hours in tongues. We like it's the easiest part. Demons. So I would like to see you. There's something happening in my family I don't understand. Do I speak in tongues for you? Cast it out. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying you can't take something to your pastor. Do you understand what I'm saying? But at least attempt to cast the devil out. Don't, when you hear demons, don't be scared. The same new tongues you are speaking empowers you to cast demons out. You find a demon oppression at your workplace, cast it out. Verse 18. They will pick up servants. And if they drink, drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. This is where I'm interested in. What are they going to do? Don't say they, say I. What, what are you going to do? What, what, what should you expect when you lay hands on the sick? Jesus didn't say they might. His will is a strong statement of surety. 
You know, there are two wheels there, right? What's the first wheel? That is big. What's the first wheel? Your will. No, the first wheel there. Your will to lay hands. That's the first wheel. How many of you know that we are not willing to lay hands? Immediately you hear someone is sick. Say, ah, oh, you are sick? Say, ah, oh, this chemist, this chemist, I don't have his number again. He's very good. Take this number, take this number. Oh, go and see, Pastor. 081. <laughs> I hope you are not happy. 222. <laughs> he says he's very good. He studied in the University of Abuja. Take the number. Is that your will? Is the first will to recommend doctors? What's your first will? What's your first will? How many of you know that if you don't act on your first will, God can't act on the second will? Why are you only speaking in tongues and you are not praying for the sick? You know why? The first thing Jesus rebuked them for. Fear, unbelief, and hardness of hearts. You have just decided it's only pastor God can use. So by default, once you are sick, praying for the sick does not come to, to mind. You know, even as members of the church, that's how some of us are. When you are sick, you won't call the church office to say, hey, I'm sick. I'm going to just Can you pray and agree with me? No. It's after three days. Hmm? I say, hello? I did bet. They say it's 15,000, I have 5,000. There are people that will call us in this ministry just to pay hospital bills. Some people walked up in my office and said, I need money. I said, what's wrong with you? So oh, I have this sickness. And they asked for money. You know, <laughs> and if they ask for money, don't attempt to, to lay hands on them. Because as I lay hands in the name of Jesus, I say, finish and give me what I came for. <laughs> lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I, I want to talk to you about recovering. Right? I want to talk to you about recovering. Recovering doesn't mean that that person is healed instantly. It means the process has started. And that's where sometimes... Now, there are healings that are instant. You know, last... This week I was in our church in Worry, and, and a woman came to me. When I went there some months ago, uh, she, she came and said, I'm having issues with this my eye. Please, Pastor, can you pray for me? So, I prayed for her. She wasn't seeing very clearly. I prayed for her in the name of Jesus. I didn't even ask her if she was sick. I just prayed for her and I was talking to other people. She came back and she told me, Oh, I, I, that eye became clearer. I, I even went to the doctors. Look at what it says. It says, and the doctors testified that the eye is improving. What's happening to that? Recovery. In America, crusade in Akinima, a woman came. Her vision was not very clear. And I prayed for her. Her vision became clearer. That was instant. But I prayed for this other woman in worry, and she's getting better. She's getting better. And so this time she said, pray for this second one. Is this one you prayed for at first? This one is not clearer. I said, pray for this one. So, I, so she showed me the one that's, that wasn't as clear as the first one. That's recovery. But the other woman I prayed for was instant. Now, in both cases, I was willing to lay hands. I didn't say, ah, you are not seeing, have you seen an optician? I'm not saying it's wrong to recommend doctors. The first will is the will to lay hands. And we teach our kids that all the time. When they are sick, the first thing lay hands and speak to that thing. Lay hands and take authority over it. Praise God. Practice that first. 
It's your right in the kingdom. You know when God says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, it's because he was not expecting you to be sick. Eh? So when you are sick, what should you do? What should you do? Lay hands. Which hands? Your hands. Stand in the healing light. Take your hands. In the name of Jesus, these are miracle hands. Maxwell, be healed in Jesus' name. Use the same hands. Most people get sick because they don't administer the healing power to themselves. Learn to administer it. Praise God. Come and I say, praise God. Learn to trust another believer. You know, something happened and someone, someone was telling me, he said, when you go up there to start teaching, this and this is going to happen. And I just told myself, well, I'm not praying about this. I believe that word. I'll act on the word. Why? Because every other believer has a right to get you healed as much as the pastors had a right. The Bible says very quickly, our time is going. The Bible says in John chapter 20 verse 21, As the Father has sent me, so send are you. You are not just sent to preach the gospel, you are sent to also do what? Heal the sick. How many of you know I'm not saying don't take people to the doctor? What I'm saying is what? Exercise that will to pray for the sick first. And don't do it just as a duty. Expect that they will recover. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your colleague in the office come here and say, can we pray about it? I trust that the name of Jesus, God will heal you. And just pray. Some of the greatest miracles I've seen was the fact that I acted by faith on this word. I acted by faith on the word. Pray for people. Just acting on the word. And I always tell people this. I don't take the glory when people get healed. I also don't take the shame if healing is not manifested. That's why I say I don't share so many testimonies because I don't take the glory. People get healed. Jesus gets the glory. When I also pray for people and they don't get healed, I don't also take the shame. I just act on the word. I lay hands, they get healed. I lay hands, they don't get healed. I find out why they don't get healed, but I keep pressing on. I prayed for many people who didn't get healed. But I've also prayed for many people who got healed. What will encourage me is the ones who got healed. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you must learn to administer the healing power of Jesus. First John chapter 3 verse 8. The Bible says Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of Satan. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of Satan. And that manifestation is through you today. You are the one to destroy the works of Satan. Praise the name of Jesus. I want you to leave this church. You know the kind of testimonies I want to see come out from this church? People will come and say, praise the Lord. You know, this person who comes to this church was at my workplace. I told them about this and they prayed for me and now I'm healed. Glory to God. Let healing become common amongst us. That sickness the doctor says is incurable. Every day you lay your hands and administer a dose of God's healing power. That child that they say cannot work. That child without infirmity. Every day you put your hands and say in Jesus name. The healing anointing have been, is, has been administered. And a recovery is in process. And like we were singing. Even if the symptoms are still there. You tell yourself I'm recovering. You know some. <coughs> Corey Blake said. If you will give me as much time. And as much patience as you have with the doctor. I'll get you healed. You know we are patient with the doctor. We are not patient with God. 
You know, you go meet a doctor, they mix like seven, eight tablets for you and say, take three of these in the morning, two of these in the afternoon, three of these at night, don't eat before, it's seven, eat at one, drink water, take this one with warm water. And some of you say, doctor, wait, 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 let me, let me read it. I don't want to forget anything. Which one is warm water? And then you separate it. I mean, paying attention, details. Even if your phone is ringing, you pick the phone and I'm, I'm busy. You're paying attention. Hmm? You say, take this one every eight hours. You set the alarm. Take it eight hours. Eight o'clock. Even if you go somewhere. They say, do you want to? They say, no, 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 no. I'm taking medicine. I've never seen people so committed as diligent as when the doctor gives them an instruction. Huh? But then you have the word of God. And you're trusting God for healing. After one confession. By the side of Jesus, I'm healed. By the side of Jesus, I'm healed. I'm still feeling the pain. <laughs> you keep the Bible. It's not working. They remember after people have gone through those process, then it's not working. They go meet the doctor and say, doctor, uh, this medicine is not working. Doctor says, oh, 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 go for this other test. They go patiently. And the doctor gives them another set of drugs. They are not bold enough to tell the doctor, what you first of all gave me is not working. Eh? They take again. And some people have been like that for years. They are still patients. But they prayed about something and saw the symptoms. They said no. Ah. They got healed. Satan brought the symptoms again. They relapsed in their faith. Hey! Hey! I thought it was gone. No. Mm. This faith thing is not working. How will your faith work when you say it's not working? Huh? Because some, some sicknesses Right? Will try your faith. And you know why they're trying your faith? They want to stay in your body. You take authority over it. Every day you tell yourself, Lord, I thank you because my healing is manifested. I thank you because I'm the healed of the Lord. Praise God. I remember one time, we're dealing with something in the home, and every time, you know, out of love and concern, out of love and concern, I'll just ask my wife, hey, how's this going? How's this going? But at the point, we got a revelation, because every time you say, how's this going? You want, you want, we, we just started talking healing. I'm healed and perfected. I'm healed and perfected. Don't take sympathy or sickness over healing. Hmm? So I just like that, my friend. Every time you ask me, how are you? How are you? And then you relieve the symptoms again. It's good to ask you, how are you? What about if you have a friend who say, how's your faith going? How's believing going? Are you still in faith? Don't give up. God's word will always work. Hallelujah. Now, quickly go to... Acts chapter 6 verse 5 We read two more scriptures and then we're done Thank you Lord Are, are, you, are you still here? Are you glad you came tonight? Come on I said are you glad you came tonight? Because God is going to use you To heal the sick I said God is going to use you To heal the sick Amen. Glory to God I said God is going to heal, Use you to heal the sick Amen. Do you believe that? It's your right Acts chapter 6 and verse 5. Remember what we said in this church? Our healing school is not just to pray for the sick. It's to train you to also pray for the sick. Acts 6 verse 5. Are you there? This was when they looked at the seven deacons, right? They found, uh, uh, because of time, I won't read the whole story. But they brought these deacons to serve food. Verse 5. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? I'm asking you a question. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you full of faith? 
You're full of faith. God gave you faith when you got born again. Without faith, you wouldn't get born again. So there's faith in you. Right? Now, go to verse 6. Sorry, verse 8. Quickly. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. This guy was not an apostle. He just kept, kept walking with the Holy Ghost. And he was performing signs and wonders among the people. And he didn't start a church because he was doing that. You know, today once we pray for the sick and they are healed, say, ah, I think God has given me the healing anointing. There is the gifts of healing quite alright, praise God. <clears throat> but there is the fact that every believer can heal the sick. Let me show you another one. Acts chapter 19, verse 10. Last scripture. Final closing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 19. Take this message, listen to it again and again and again and start acting on it. Someone close to you have a headache? Before they go and buy fancy, speak the word over them. In Jesus' name, take authority over this. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Don't hang around people who say, is everything they'll pray about? God has given doctors wisdom so they'll provide medicine. Everything is not prayer. Until you now meet the doctor who says, there's nothing I can do. The healing anointing, dispensing it doesn't cost us anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Acts 19 verse 10. Am I right? No. That's not what I wanted. Acts chapter 9. Not 19. Thank you Jesus. Sorry. Acts chapter 5. My second story. <laughs> Am I right? I'm missing my scriptures. I'm looking for the story of, an, of Ananias. Acts what? Acts chapter 9. Right. Yeah, the, Acts chapter 9 is Paul's account. Right. Let's go to Acts chapter 9 verse 12. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Okay. Verse, thank you. That's it. Verse 11. And the Lord, how did I get 19? Acts chapter 9. Verse 11. And the Lord said to him, get up, go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul for his praying. Now, verse 12. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his, his sight. Verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. Alright? Now, what I actually wanted us to look at, first of all, is go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. The scripture says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. Now, Paul was giving this account. But what I want you to pick in that verse is that a certain disciple named Ananias. Okay? Now, go to verse 17. So Ananias, now Paul was reporting in verse 12. Now go to verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him. Did you see that? Hey, did you see that? 
in verse 10, they said a certain disciple. He was not an apostle with a big name. He was a certain disciple. What did he do? He went into the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The next verse. Verse 8. Verse what? Verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. Did you see that to, for the healing of Saul's eyes, God used the disciple? He didn't use Apostle Peter. He didn't use any of those big apostles. His certain disciples acted on the word, laid hands on Paul, got his eyes to see, and did what? Got him filled with the Holy Ghost. You are that setting disciple into this world. God wants to use your hands. Let's stand on our feet. Look at your hands. Alright? Look at your hands. God wants to use your hands. You step on the keyboard very briefly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Shavrek Toskele Mande Baradesha. Mambre Soste Fek Rosisto Mantesh Kalabahatesha. Look at your hands. Look at your hands. Everybody, look at your hands. Thank you, Lord. Look at your hands. Let the picture of your hands change. Let the picture of your hands change. Say in the name of Jesus. Say in the name of Jesus. These hands are miracle hands. Because I'm a child of God. I have a right to heal the sick. To lay hands on the sick. And see them recover. In the name of Jesus, I'll act on that word. Come on, I said I'll act on that word. I'll act on that word. Say it one more time. Say I'll act on that word. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. Hold the person by your side. That's how we're going to minister healing today. Just hold the person by your side. Anybody close by your side. Thank you Lord Jesus. Just pray for one another. Just pray for one another. In the mighty name of Jesus, pray for one another. If you want to sing something, just come sing something right now. Let's pray for one another right now. If there be any sickness in our midst, we act on the word. We lay hands on the sick and we see them recover. Yes, Lord. Just pray right now. Pray, pray. Yes, Lord. Come on, we agree. Let the healing power of Jesus flow right now. We act on the name of it quickly. We're out of time. Let's. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.